Hey everyone, this is True Crime at Lunchtime, hosted by Lindsay and Kayla. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kayla. And we're work besties who love true crime. And this is a true crime podcast providing shorter episodes that you can enjoy on your lunch break. For this episode, we are introducing the first of an exciting series featuring a bit longer and more intricate dive into cases that have a lot of details that we just can't deliver in 30 minutes called The Dinner Special. We are not dominoes. We cannot do it 30 minutes or less. Okay, guys, it's time to ditch that after dinner cleanup, grab a glass of wine, and it's time to get into the murder of Brittany Drexel. So you may have heard recently that this case just had a big break. After 13 agonizing years, the remains of Brittany Drexel have been found and someone has been arrested for the crime. I just still can't believe it. I remember when I first saw it, I was just like, holy shit. Holy shit. That about covers it. Brittany Drexel was just 17 and a junior in high school at Gates Chile High School near Rochester, New York, when her parents were going through a divorce. She was taking it pretty hard and wanted to get away and do what a lot of other teens her age do. And it was in April of 2009, she wanted to go on spring break. All right. So when I think about high schoolers going on spring break, I always think of like Laguna Beach where they would like go to Cabo. It's so unrealistic. Nobody in my school was going on spring break. Yeah, no. (laughs) No, I just was happy to stay home from school. (laughs) I think as, as a lot of teenagers are as well. Say I was not living that Laguna Beach life. No, no, me neither. So, while typically really just seniors go on these trips, a trio of girls all over the age of 18 and soon to be graduating invited Brittany along. So, she relentlessly hounded her mom to let her make that 14-hour road trip to Myrtle Beach for the last couple days of spring break, but her mom was a hard, adamant no. Rightfully so. I was going to say, as my mom would be, as my dad would be, they'd be like, hell no. No. End of discussion. That's it. Well, and there was a beach area near Rochester. So there's like the the Great Lakes and there are places that they could have went that are a little more local that I'm sure her parents would have been okay with her going to locally, but they were not okay with her taking this long trip, which I completely agree with. Brittany decided she was going to ask for a compromise And she told her mom, well, she had asked her mom if she could spend the last couple of days of spring break at one of her friend's houses that lived really locally um, so she could get some time away from home but still remain local at the same time. And Brittany's mom, Dawn, said it was okay, but she wanted to talk to her parents first before they decided that this is how she was going to spend her spring break. Which was really a smart move on Dawn's part, you know, to get the parents' phone number, to have that conversation with them, make sure everything's okay. And then she's like, Hey, listen, you can go. Like I, we want you to be happy during your spring break, but this is a nice compromise. And I think Dawn knew too, like she just needed to get away for a little bit. Yeah. And I think that 
it's really hard as a teenager to understand the logic of why your parents say no. I can understand it now more as an adult, but as a teenager, you're really not interested in hearing that. I'm not far from being a teenager, honestly. (laughs) I'm not that much older. But even I look back and I'm like, you were kind of rude, like to your parents. Much beyond a teenage age. (laughs) I hate to tell you. Seven years? You're closer to being 30 than you are to being. Shut up. No. I mean, if I have to hear it, you have to hear it. No. I won't stand for that. Get the Botox ready. Kayla's coming. <laughs> Two hours later. So, um, I think Kayla just had an epiphany that she actually is seven years away from being a teenager. I'm having that Jamie Lee Curtis moment in Freaky Friday when she's like, oh my god, I'm like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Unfortunately, Brittany was not at a friend's house locally. I'm betting you can probably guess where she was. She went to Myrtle Beach. She did. Yeah, she did defy her parents. She packed up that night, went to Myrtle Beach with this group of seniors. She actually asked her boyfriend, John, to go, but he couldn't get off work. So he didn't really think much of it. He's like, hey, listen, like, just, you know, be careful. You're only going to be gone a couple days. All will be well. Um It's important to note that John did not personally know the people that she traveled with. She wasn't very close with these girls. No. From what I remember. No. Nothing that I have read has indicated that these are friends at all. Other than maybe just like acquaintances or new friends. But it was reported in one of the articles that I read that they were not seen together at school. Like you wouldn't have known that they were friends. I almost wonder if it's like she did this to maybe try to impress them because they were seniors. She was a junior. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, honestly. And when they arrived in Myrtle Beach, the girls ended up being really hateful to Brittany. They played a joke on her and they would trap her in the Murphy bed that she was sleeping on during the trip. That is sickening. People die that way. They do. They can like suffocate. No, do you ever, like, think about a hospital bed and, like, what if you hit it where it, like, folds up? That is terrifying. That's some Final Destination shit. <laughs> yeah, that's really scary. I forget you don't watch horror movies. You know that? No, I have seen that, yeah. Oh, she, she's seen that. I cannot. I'm scarred for life. I can't drive near a log truck. I can't either. That movie did it for everyone, I think. I didn't go on roller coasters for years either. Yeah, me either. I love roller coasters now, though. Also, this gives me real jawbreaker vibes. Please, God, tell me. (gasps) She's shaking her head. I have heard, though, it's really similar to the movie Heathers. Yeah, it kind of. If you've seen Heathers, which is from the 80s, but you haven't seen Jawbreaker. I've seen Heathers. Okay, so she's really missing out. It's very (laughs) apparent during this episode that Kayla is a Gen Z. So (laughs) we will not hold that against her as millennials. We're not going to hold it against her. But my girl, Brittany, was also a millennial. And I'm sure she has seen Jawbreaker. Sorry, put it on the... TBW list. Putting it on the list. Okay, we'll have to make a deal. You watch Jawbreaker, and I'll watch a movie 
of your choice. That's scary. <laughs> well, we're definitely watching a horror movie, that's for sure. Nothing too scary. I just don't like Freddy Krueger. Oh my god. <laughs> They're so corny. No, I'm I, just the thought of Freddy Krueger. I will not sleep. Like you take the melatonin, you'll be sleeping. I know, I know. I'm a I'm a head president, CEO of the Melatonin Fan Club. During the trip, they go to Club Kryptonite. Okay, so let me tell you a funny story about Myrtle Beach and Club Kryptonite. So I actually went on senior trip in May of 2009. So just a month after this. Now, I vividly, and my husband was there too. He also remembers, the both of us remember seeing missing person signs for Brittany Drexel, which is absolutely so terrifying to see that and remember that. I mean, to just, I can see it in my head. But we also went to Club Kryptonite during our trip. That was like the spot. Now, if you Google what Club Kryptonite looks like, it has like these, it looks like Batman's lair like, they're signaling. Looks like Superman, kind of. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's Superman. Looks like Superman, but instead of the S, it has a K in it. Yeah. And there's, like, some type of animal on top. Like, how is this connected? How do we get, like, kryptonite with elephants? (laughs) It looks like a walrus. Walrus. I'm not sure what it is. It is is so weird. And when it's at night, it glows green. The sign does. Like, kryptonite. Well, while I was there... It was like a reality star there from it was like road rules or the real world or I something. I love that show. He was a celebrity hosting because this was for senior week, which Myrtle Beach is a very popular destination for senior week. Mm-hmm. And that is where I created my signature move called the Jersey Turnpike. You did not. <laughs> I have footage of you in Club Kryptonite doing the Jersey tour. Yeah. Well, and during this senior trip, um, we also went to like a foam party. And I'll never forget, like, the foam was like over our heads. Like, you couldn't even breathe. It was so disgusting and raunchy. Like, (laughs) I don't know why. This is why it's scary to be a parent. Like, just if, if it wasn't scary enough in general, you're worrying about your kids riding their bikes. You're worried about them going to places called Kryptonite in Myrtle Beach, which is since shut down, probably, thankfully. <laughs> Who was the real world star hosting it? I'll, I'll have to find out. I, I want to know because <laughs> I'm very, I was very into the real world. I still watch it. Probably in 2009. You probably did definitely watch it then too. I did. I was. Yeah, I was a teenager. I probably did. Well, I'll circle back around. It's on Paramount Plus. Another plug. You can watch the real world there. Now I must know who it is. Club Kryptonite. God. <laughs> Doing the Jersey turn. Okay, life. and I also have to note that. I didn't realize it as a teenager. Like, don't come for me, adults. I'm an adult now. This was, like, a bazillion years ago. But they were selling alcohol, but it wasn't really alcohol. So they were, like, charging 
these teenagers. I mean, it's it's great marketing because they weren't doing anything wrong, but they were like, shh, don't tell anyone these have alcohol in them. And they were like shooters, like in tubes. And they were like $3. And I'll just <laughs> never forget my friend having like six of them, like one between each finger. And she's like, look what I got at $25 later. So, oh my God. Yeah. That club kryptonite was really doing the most with these teenagers. But also, you did have to be 18 to go there, I thought. Uh, although, I think there were 17-year-olds on our trip as well, that seniors that, you know, hadn't turned 18 yet. Because while they were at Club Kryptonite, they met up with some old friends, one of which, Peter Bronzowitz. So, Peter was 20, and he was from Rochester. It's unsure of how they knew each other, but in one of the articles that I read, Dawn thinks she might have remembered meeting him at some point. So Peter was the ultimate New York Guido, GTL. Not a Guido. <laughs> yeah, he was. And so he was there. He was a club promoter and he had some friends there and they were also doing the spring break thing and they met up with them and were partying. They had like a VIP section. Very, you know, fun stuff. How do you become a club promoter at 20? <laughs> when you And why is there a VIP at Club Crypt tonight? <laughs> I don't remember. Like how do you get into the VIP when you're a teenager? It was on April 25th that Dawn calls Brittany that day. Um, she says that she's at the beach. And that didn't seem odd because they did live really close to the beach. And it was 80 degrees in Rochester that day. Um, they hang up and she said, I love you, mom. I'll see you tomorrow. And that was the last time Dawn had spoken to her daughter. So it kind of makes me wonder a little bit if she, why she said she was at the beach. You know, I just wonder... Was she secretly, like, you know, or subconsciously wanting to be caught because she was having such a bad time? I mean, she was texting with her boyfriend, John, this whole time, telling him what a bad time she was having. These girls were a bunch of shitheads. And it makes me wonder if that's why she mentioned that or if she really just was like, well, I'll just be honest, you know, it's not technically a lie because I am at the beach and, you know, I could be at the beach at home and, you know, maybe knew that. So that always makes me wonder. I don't know. This is a good thought, though. I never really thought about that. So around 8.15, she's seen walking along the strip to Peter's hotel from hers. So she was at the Bar Harbor Hotel and he was at the Blue Water Hotel. This is about 1.4 miles apart. I personally, I personally don't want to walk 1.4 miles by myself at night, even in a main city like Myrtle Beach, like along the main strip. But having been to Myrtle Beach many times, I also can understand why you would feel okay with that because there are restaurants and bars and attractions and lights. I mean, there's really so much going on. And these hotels were down towards 
more near the boardwalk where all those things were happening. Have you ever been to Myrtle Beach, Kayla? I've never been to Myrtle Beach. Okay, put it on your bucket list, but just make sure you're you're safe when you go. So around 8.25 to 8.40, she arrives at the hotel. Um, you know, the timestamps on these cameras are a little crazy, and uh, there was, this is, there is a discrepancy in the number of minutes, but, you know, we are estimating it to be somewhere around that 8.25 to 8.40. So she arrives at Peter's hotel. She goes up to their hotel room for about 10 minutes and has to leave because she gets into a little bit of a tiff with one of the girls that are on the trip and they're like, hey, I want my shorts back. I'm wearing them out tonight. Bring them back right now. So she just walked a mile and a half to turn around and walk a mile and a half back to take back these shorts. And then she was going to walk back to Peter's hotel to hang out. What a bunch of freaking bitches. Like get in your car, come over and get the damn shorts. Right. Brittany did not have a car there. She had to walk everywhere that she wanted to go. And while it is possible to walk a lot of places in Myrtle beach, I don't think that it's realistic. Honestly, (laughs) That's fucked up that Peter was there too and he wouldn't be or any of those guys there weren't like, oh, let me just go with you, like just to know let you're me safe. Take you back in my car, it'll be quicker. Yeah, yeah, or let me drive you probably 10 minutes compared to the freaking 25 minute walk. minute walk. I just well, hate that. <laughs> yeah. So she's seen leaving the resort on camera, the Blue Water Resort, and she never makes it to that second camera where she was caught the first time. The last text she sent uh, came to John and it was around 8.58. He kept calling and texting her and he even threatened to call her mom because he was obviously scared and he waited a few minutes and he called and he told Dawn everything about how she had gone to Myrtle Beach and how she had lied and how he was supposed to go with her, that he had to work. He was very honest with her about what had happened. And he was really concerned for Brittany. Yeah, I'm so glad that he called. I'm sure that was a pretty tough thing to do. But he knew something was wrong when they had been actively texting her whole walk. And he knew, hey, if I tell her that I'm going to call her mom she's going to respond. And when she didn't, he knew something was wrong, which is pretty sad. I'm sure he was really scared because he was so far away and there was nothing really more that he could do. There's red flags everywhere. So Dawn obviously is very concerned. They're all calling her, texting her. They're trying to get into contact with her somehow being so far away, which would be really tough. They had a friend who was stationed nearby go and make a police report because they had to be able to do it in person, which I find was like kind of bullshit. Like if you know someone's missing, but how could they get to Myrtle beach? That is bullshit. I'd be like, that is my child. That is my little girl. Like they knew she was missing. They had proof that something was wrong and yet she's being told that they need to do it in person which it's just mind-blowing but thankfully they had a friend nearby that could go and make the report so he did go and make that report which is which is really great initial search began on the 26th 
they were getting phone records and they were doing everything they can to try to act quickly on this thinking that, you know, something is wrong and we need to kind of get to the bottom of it. So it was the same day, the day that they were supposed to be going home, the day that she's missing, they find out that Brittany is missing. What does the girls do? The girls on the trip, they switch hotel rooms for the last night of the trip. So for Saturday night, they switch hotel rooms. Sus. Going home on Sunday. And all of Brittany's stuff was left in the initial hotel room that they were all sharing. So they had either hadn't planned, because they didn't know she was missing at this time, but they hadn't planned to take her with them, which is real shitty. Like, I'm telling you these, yeah, not cool. But they're not relevant in this story. While they were not good friends and they did not act accordingly as a decent human being should during this time, they did not have anything to do with her disappearance. And as if the girls weren't bad enough, the boys that she was with or that were friends, they also forfeited their deposit and they went back to Rochester in the middle of the night. They didn't even wait till the morning. Hella sus. Very sus. And it was the same day that News 8 learned that Peter Bronwitz, he had gotten a lawyer. I'm sure that a lot of people would have looked at that at the time, that this was suspicious. We do know from hearing these cases that in a lot of times, in, in all cases, it really is within your best interest to keep yourself protected and get an attorney. It is. I see both sides of it. I never, in my eyes, it never really shows guilt. It just shows, kind of shows that you're watching yourself and you know your rights. Yeah. I feel like maybe his parents had a lot to do with it too. Yeah, I agree. And it was also the same day. This was April 29th. The Drexel family deposited some money into Brittany's account um, for her to use. So maybe they could see some bank activity. Um, but this plan really didn't work out. There was no activity on her card at all. That's sad. So a search is being conducted. There's a lot of people on the ground looking for Brittany. They're doing everything they can, rightfully so. Um, and it was on May 4th that police released the hotel surveillance video of her along the traffic cams that picked up that footage um, on that Ocean Boulevard in Myrtle Beach. This is very well-known footage. Yeah. It's very haunting footage. Yeah, and I'll, I'll post some of it if I'm able to. So, so it was also at this time that they traced her cell phone records and there was actually a ping. They get the phone records and they find that her phone pinged at 927 at Surfside Beach. So this is not directly in Myrtle Beach, but just right outside. 29 minutes after she sent that last text to her boyfriend. So it pings again 
at 11.58 in Georgetown County near a boat landing an hour south of Myrtle Beach. Police determined that because of the rate that it traveled, it she had to be in a car. But whose car was she in? How did she get there? And why was she going there? This was a small area, this, like the swampland. It just doesn't make sense why she would go there. Especially when she was supposed to leave the next day. Yeah. It was October of 2009 when Chad Drexel, her dad, received a call from her cell phone only to find out that the cell phone company had unfortunately given the number to a new customer, which makes me so, so upset. And her case really got some more attention when in December of 2009, some campers found sunglasses and the investigators believed that they could be linked to the case. And they were actually found in the area that Brittany's phone had pinged on. And when the police ask Brittany's parents and they ask John if they had ever seen these sunglasses before, they did not look familiar to anyone that was familiar with Brittany. But John said, you know, she was at the beach. She definitely could have purchased them while she was there. Just because we don't recognize them doesn't mean that they aren't hers. Um, but unfortunately upon DNA testing, they were determined to not be Brittany's. Yeah. They didn't find any DNA at all. Did they? Not at this point. I think too. It's like, maybe she bought them new, but I know she wasn't going anywhere to buy new sunglasses. Well, also though, something that I find kind of odd is if they they were in good condition when they were found. Yeah. And this was, what, six months, seven months after. So significant time has passed at this point. I just can't imagine that if they're in this, like, swampy area outside, exposed to the elements, that they're still going to be in good condition. So it sounds like maybe they were left there a little more recently. In June of 2010, Drexel's classmates remember her at their graduation ceremony. Gates Chilai High School gave Brittany's family an honorary diploma at the graduation. School officials said that this is the first time in the school's history that they've ever done this before. So that must have been a really sad but special moment too. Yeah, absolutely. Just shows how much the community and the school cared about her and she wasn't forgotten. She was gone. She was still missing for like several months. Yeah. And they were still, everyone was still thinking about her, which is great. And it was in June that Timothy Sean Taylor, he was arrested. And there was a woman that claimed that two men had jumped out of a van and tried to abduct her. And she elbowed one of them and she escaped. Yeah. And I think it's important to note here that this happened in front of the Blue Water Resort, which was the resort that Brittany was last seen at. So she had picked him out of the lineup because Timothy Deshaun Taylor was missing an arm and from an accident when he was a child. And that's how she was able to pick him out of the lineup. However, Charges were dropped against Taylor because they checked out his alibi 
and it checked out. Police initially believed that the case might be connected to Brittany Drexel's disappearance just because there were some similarities. Um, it did happen just a little over a year after she went missing and it was in front of the same resort, but after the charges were dropped, police came out and said that they didn't think that they were related. I think they are. I find it really hard to believe that in the same spot that she was last seen, somebody was kidnapped. A young girl. It just seems pretty too coincidental to be a coincidence. And in August of that year, Myrtle Beach announced that they put 20 new surveillance cameras and they were around all of the vacation areas. So all of the popular areas through Myrtle Beach, they had put cameras there. And the office, the, the officials say that these security cameras were placed in relation to Brittany's disappearance. So it's always nice to see something good coming out of a tragic situation. And at this point, they don't know where Brittany is and they don't know what has happened to her, but they do know that this is something that they can help prevent this situation from happening again, which I love it. This is great because if you think about it, if there were only two cameras on this mile and a half walk from one hotel to another, that's just not enough. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The cameras don't lie. Footage that's on them. You can't refute that. So way to go, Myrtle Beach. I hope Four. they're working, though. That's all I know. I know, yeah. How many times do you hear, oh, the cameras aren't working? I know. So in November of 2010, an anonymous tip came in, and police searched an area near Charleston, South Carolina, which is, I believe, about a three-hour drive south um Brittany Drexel's mother who actually had moved to Myrtle Beach during the time that the search was going on and all this was happening because as you remember in the beginning of the episode she was getting a divorce and she wanted to be close to the case and keep the pressure on the authorities to keep things open and moving to provide justice for her child Dawn is a rock star Dawn. throughout this whole story. She is such a great mother to Brittany. Yeah. And I love to see it. Yeah. I know we, we have a fan club for er, someone in every episode, but... We really do. But this episode, Dawn, we're the Dawn fan club. We're now going to start a Dawn fan club. Yes. This time there had been 47 searches conducted. That is so many, but, and that was just in, what, a year and a half? Yeah. It's so hard to believe that so much has already taken place at this point in the timeline. 47 is a lot of searches. It just shows that her family never stopped Nobody searching stopped. for her. Now we're looking at 2011, and it was on August 1st that police decided they were searching an apartment that they believed might be connected to the case. The apartment 
belonged to Raymond Moody. However, it's important to note that he no longer lived there at the time of the search. And in November, a search team was looking in McClellanville in South Carolina. And this was based on a tip that some fishermen had gave, but there was no new evidence that was found in her case. And that pretty much sums up 2011 in the case of Brittany. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of tips were coming in and the case was still active. Things were still happening in it, but unfortunately, they just weren't going anywhere. Nothing was coming from them. So in 2012, it was February when police identified convicted child rapist Raymond Mooney as the primary suspect in the Brittany Drexel disappearance. A statement that came from police shared that there was no new information to share, but Moody was one of many people that they were investigating. Cause I'm sure you remember just a bit ago, they had said they had about four people that were people of interest. So. And it was in September of 2012. This would have been very close to Brittany's 21st birthday. Dawn sent a letter to the Myrtle beach media outlets and she was really pressuring whether the friends that were with her that day had said everything they knew, had recounted everything that um, had happened with Brittany, anything that they knew. And she had claimed that Brittany's so-called friends that she was with had never looked at her. They refused to tell her anything. Also important to note that these friends had never to date, the girls that she stayed with and went on this trip with have never reached out and had a conversation with Brittany's mother. Absolutely disgusting. Shitty friend alert on these girls. I mean, I think it's safe to say that they were not friends. No. These were not friends. I mean, I remember being in high school and like hanging out with some older girls that, you know, I was friendly with, but I wouldn't call us friends. Yeah, I had some acquaintances in high school and people you see around a lot. Um, or like you're in a class together yeah. if you're in a mixed like age level, but was never really friends with anyone older than me. And Dawn was really hoping that by writing this letter that this would lead to some new information. So let's fast forward to 2013. In December, skeletal remains were found in a remote area near where Brittany was last seen. To me, it's like, oh my gosh, like she's been found. If it's right where they said she disappeared, like right where her phone last banged. To me, I'm like, oh, I think we finally found her. Yeah, I mean, it, it really does seem like this is the it. This is, we finally have the answers that we've been looking for for years. But however, just a month later in January 2014, a coroner in South Carolina announced that the skeletal remains that they had found just a month earlier were from a male body. So again, another dead end for this family. It was in May of 2014. Um, that the South Carolina police, they had searched a new area, but this also turned up nothing. Um, there was some new technology, and they had additional cell phone data, but once again, it didn't lead to any new discoveries in Brittany's case. 
So in June 2016, the FBI announced that they believed that she had been kidnapped, that she was taken to the McClellanville area. She was held against her will for days, and ultimately she was killed at this time. They announced that there would be a $25,000 reward with any information leading to something that would give them an idea of where Brittany is or what happened to her. So what is crazy about this is this is the first time that law enforcement or anyone really is coming out and saying that they believe that she's dead. And then it was in August um, that the that reporting from the Charleston Post had named 26-year-old Timothy Deshaun Taylor as the man who might have thrown her body into an alligator pit. So Brittany's dad came out and said, hey, there's a reason this name sounds familiar. And that's because Deshaun Taylor, or Timothy Deshaun Taylor, he goes by Deshaun Taylor. He is the son of Timothy Sean Taylor, who was arrested in 2010 do you remember that name? I do. He was the one that was in connection with the girl that the they tried to take outside yeah. the hotel that Brittany was staying yeah. in. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, this is quite a coincidence here. Or not a coincidence, really. And then Taylor was arrested um, sometime later on an unrelated robbery charge. And his attorneys claimed that he was immediately interrogated about Brittany's case. Yeah, so they were looking for any reason to get him in there so that they could question him about Brittany Drexel. And just to know, if you're ever a suspect of a crime, do not commit a petty crime because they will hold you and they will question you about the bigger crime that you may have been involved in. Yes, and don't steal condoms either. Oh my gosh, Steven. Steven. Freaking Steven. (laughs) So while Taylor was never charged for anything in relation to Brittany Drexel, he released a statement in August of 2016 that he was innocent. His mother also denied the accusations, but Brittany's family was still pretty confident that they had found the person who was responsible for the disappearance of their daughter. And it was in September of 2016 um, that Brittany's dad created a petition asking the grand jury to either validate or discredit the supposed eyewitness claims. The position called for Taylor and his father to be indicted in Brittany's murder if the grand jury deemed the claims to be truthful. So it was noted and quoted that Chad Drexel said, we have no doubt that Timothy Deshaun Taylor played a significant role in the abduction and murder of my daughter. So pretty strong statements coming out here. And it was in November that Dawn started a foundation in her daughter's honor. And it was called Britney's Little Angels, and their goal was to help families of missing children and human trafficking victims. So this is the first time that 
the word human trafficking has come up in this podcast right now. So on this episode. So it's just so crazy to think about what these last moments of Brittany's life, because now they are presuming that, you know, she is dead and was possibly shortly after being abducted. But it's just so sad and upsetting to think about what the final moments of her life really looked like. And Myrtle Beach is like a hub for human trafficking. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, Myrtle Beach, I did read that they had said like, hey, this doesn't happen here. Like, of course, they're going to say that. They don't want to scare tourists away. Um, But it's, it's reality that it does. I mean, it could happen anywhere. And back when Brittany first disappeared, I feel like human trafficking wasn't as big of a term as it is now. Because I remember not hearing about it till I was quite a bit older. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember hearing a lot about it in 2009. March of 2017, a search took place of a property in South Carolina in a town called Georgetown. So if you remember, her phone pinged in Georgetown County. So FBI called this search just some regular investigation activity um, that was linked to the Drexel case. So they didn't really provide any more information about it, but just said, hey, this is just something standard that we're doing. Um, But they never said if there was a tip or any evidence that really led them to search that area. So I'm sure her parents were like wondering what, you know, what led them there? They had to have been. They kept a lot on the DL, the investigators they did. They did. I would have been really frustrated if I was her parents. And I feel like this is a common practice in a lot of cases is they do have to kind of keep some of the details on the DL so that it doesn't hinder any part of the investigation. Or if somebody says something that was never made public, I feel like a lot of times they do that too because instantly person of interest right there yeah absolutely and investigators kept it even more on the dl they said they made some progress but they never said anything more than that and in november timothy deshaun taylor was arrested when the police said he violated the terms of his bail and that was for the robbery arrest that he had earlier he had crossed county lines so in 2018 taylor failed a polygraph test that was administered in 2017 when he was questioned, as you remember, about the Drexel case. And according to the American Psychological Association, most psychologists and other scientists agree that there is little basis for the validity of a polygraph test. All right. And I was going to say that. I'm like, you can't base everything on a polygraph test because there's a lot more that goes into it than just answering questions because you have to figure okay, were they on drugs? Were they sober at this time? Um, Were they under a lot of stress? Anything can set that test off. And you can't even use them in a court a lot for that reason. Yeah, and you know, I really didn't know that, so. Oh, you're welcome. Learning something new every day. Forensic files. I need to watch more forensic files. You really do. I've come to the conclusion of. You'd know Luminol. You would know polygraph tests. You would know it all. In February of 2019, an inmate at a local jail sent a letter claiming that he saw Taylor and others 
rape and kill Drexel. His name was Taquan Brown. And he claimed, you know, that he had this information in 2019 that a man named Taquan Brown sent a letter to the FBI saying that he had information about the case. He was serving time for a murder charge, I believe. So he really had nothing to lose, nothing to lose, but a lot to, to gain. gain. Um, you know, FBI did say like, Hey, we're not offering him anything like, for his, for his word, but they did look into the case, you know, or they did look into what he was saying. So he was claiming that he saw Taylor and others rape and kill her at a stash house. Did you even know what a stash house was before looking into this case? No. I had never heard of it. And I'm terrified. Yeah. Um, and it was around the same time in 2019, the FBI said it was believed that Drexel was taken about 60 miles outside of Myrtle Beach, held against her will for days, and that she was killed. And they also believed that her body was dumped in an alligator pit. And the source of that information was Juan Brown. Yes. So Taquan Brown was spilling the tea. So I'm wondering if this could be because there was a $25,000 reward for any information. And, you know, I'm sure $25,000 could buy a lot of commissary. Oh, yeah. Candy bars. I find it weird, though, they didn't give him, like, some kind of deal. Yeah, no, they said they weren't going to give him a deal. He must have really committed a... A horrible crime. Yeah. I mean, they can't let people out of jail who really don't deserve there just because they give information. But, I mean, I think he thought he had the right idea by giving them something on a case that was so much in the media still. So that leads us to present time. 2022. And it was May 4th, Raymond Moody was arrested and charged with obstruction of justice. So they get the guy in there. He's been on their radar prior. And it was a week later um, that remains were found in a wooded area in Georgetown County, South Carolina. Yeah, so she was, they were, they really were always on the right trail of where her remains were. It was on April 26th. The day that the search had really taken off, that Raymond Moody was issued a traffic ticket in Surfside Beach, about eight miles from Myrtle Beach. And this was the first area that Brittany's phone pinged. So he, at the time, had claimed he was out of town. So in present time, May 2022, this ticket was used to prove that he was in town why would you lie you like, know they have your record like a traffic ticket it's not gonna go away sir like that's not how it works they keep records of these things this is another thing it's just like those stupid little like citations like how timothy deshaun taylor like robbed a store and then he crossed the county line and then <laughs> raymond moody decides 
oh, I'm going to speed and get a speeding ticket. It's just like these little things that are leading to their implication. I'm, I just find it so funny. Like, just you how know, they're though, so dumb. <laughs> I, I often think about, we've talked several times about, you know, these murderers implicating themselves or, you know, getting arrested for a similar, not a similar crime, but getting arrested for something and then that gives them, you know, the gas to do the searches Mm -hmm. and to do the questioning. But it makes me think about, like, how real serial killers and real psychopaths can evade this type of, you know, further implication. (laughs) Chad Drexel had posted on Facebook on May 13th that there had been an arrest made in Brittany's case, but he had deleted posts sometime later. He replaced it with a post that said amazing progress, but he also deleted this post. So I think we're all guilty of this. You know, <laughs> we post Tweet, delete. Tweet, delete. Yeah. He, um, you know, probably didn't want to jeopardize anything in the case, which makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I definitely understand it. Yeah, I've posted some cringeworthy things and I second-guessed myself. I'm telling you, I'm still deleting stuff from 2008 that I've posted. Do you ever, like, take a picture of yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I look so good in this picture. And then you keep staring at it more and more and more. And then you're like, no, that wasn't it. I'm telling you, (laughs) nobody, and I mean nobody, annoys me more than the selfies I took in 2008. (laughs) It was a phase. Oh God! Like the selfie phase is. So, Did you have the so poof? Cringy. The poof in the bathroom mirror? Oh, absolutely! The- I had like a bump it. I saw about those <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah. I remember the Snooky poof. Oh, I, yeah, I I remember that. It. I did not know a freaking bump it was a thing until yeah, very recently. Called, oh wait, the infomercial. Yeah. I do remember the infomercial. Yeah. yeah. I had a huge bump. So on May 16th of 2022, so this was literally four days ago, people. Do you understand? This is a real time update. I can't even believe. I cried. I am not kidding. When I tell you, when I heard this news, I cried because I have hoped for this, for this family, for this girl for so long. And it's here. We're here. We're finally have the answers. But um, it was on May 16, 2022, that Georgetown County Sheriff Carter Weaver announced that the remains found days earlier during that search in Georgetown County of South Carolina were identified through dental records to be Brittany Drexel. And Moody was charged with murder, kidnapping, and criminal sexual conduct for her death and her disappearance. I mean, it's, I keep thinking about how did they really know that, I mean, how do they really know what happened to her? I think it's pretty, pretty evident. I mean, yeah, but how did they know that there was sexual misconduct? Like, Probably because he was a past pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did read that today in a news article pot- posted from 
a station in Rochester that he did confess. So this isn't just, this is his words. He, he admitted to doing it. So it just really, I just, I can't believe it. The gig was finally up for him. Yeah. And you know, he was a suspect all along. I mean, they really did have his name on their radar so early in the case. They did. And I'm also glad, though, too, that they found her remains because the fact of this girl being thrown into a pit of alligators, like a lot of people suspected, I thought that for the longest time. Yeah, absolutely. And as heartbreaking as it is, like, I'm glad that wasn't her final resting place. No. Um, But... We're not done with Timothy Taylor being linked to this case because the FBI did issue one final statement in regards to Taylor. And they said throughout the investigation, law enforcement followed multiple leads to wherever they led us based on the information that we had at the time. We have an obligation to follow leads to their conclusion. However, the person we believe is responsible for Brittany's murder has been charged. I mean, so I think that they really do believe that Raymond Moody is the sole person responsible. But, you know, it wouldn't be a true crime podcast if we also didn't share our opinions. You know, we want to give you the facts. And we want to lay it all out there. But also we do have opinions. You know, take it or leave it. In Tamara Judge's voice. We just wanted to share some of our opinions about this case. And what we really think went down. So I just have the hardest time believing that this is a one-man job. There's no way. No way. I mean... It's just so crazy that this girl who was, there was an attempted abduction where Brittany was last seen a year later and she picked the guy out. He was very distinctive looking. He had one arm. I just find it hard to believe. I'm not saying that the Taylors had anything to do with it. No, we don't know that. No, we definitely don't. But I do feel like Moody did not act alone. I, I, we have talked about this case before, like even before we decided to do it, even before we had all of this, all of this came out. I always thought human trafficking. Yeah. It was a human trafficking ring. Yeah. Honestly, it's a big populated location. I mean, while the area that she was located in is a small area, Myrtle Beach is huge. It's a major city. And there are so many cars around. There are so many people. It is very easy to go unnoticed in a crowd in a car. I mean, unless you're acting suspicious, but. And Myrtle Beach's crime rates are rather high. They are. And she's not the first girl that's gone missing from this area. There's been so many reports of girls being trafficked from Myrtle Beach. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand 
that Brittany Drexel represents so many women. She was the victim of a crime of opportunity. She was. It could have been anyone. She was not picked out for any reason. She was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And she just happened to be around some really shitty people that left her go by herself. Yeah. And the people who were with her, they're not to blame for what happened. But, you know, this is a lesson to whoever listening, you know, surround yourself with people that are going to look out for you. Are they going to help take care of you And when you need them? I mean, you don't want to have friends that aren't going to have your back and leave you walking alone in the dark in an unknown city. You never leave your friends. I don't care if they're your BFF of 25 years. If they're walking home, you go with them. Yeah, you always got a buddy system up. And even (laughs) with myself and my husband, we travel home quite a bit. And I'll be like, text me when you leave. Text me when you're back. I, like, need to know. Yeah. Yeah, If you made it where you're going, I need to know where you are. Absolutely. So, if there's anything that we can take from this horrific tragedy, it's to... Be aware of your surroundings. Stay alert. Do what you can to keep yourself safe. Brittany had no idea of the monsters lurking around her. And also be vigilant as just a person. If you see something suspicious, take note of it. There's so many times that people have gotten license plates and people are acting fishy and you never know when it's going to come back. Yeah. You never know when that information is going to be helpful. I mean, really, if you see something, you've got to say something. I feel like that, you know, goes with any, anything. And never assume someone else is going to do it. No, absolutely. That's a whole other case we might cover someday. Absolutely. I really want to thank, we really want to thank everyone for tuning in to our first dinner episode. This one, you know, was really important to us because we do relate to Brittany in a lot of ways. I personally do where we would be the same age. I was in Myrtle Beach just without my parents, mind you. And I I mean, I was 18, but um, just a month after her disappearance. I remember hearing about this, even though I was still, I was in like middle school, early high school. I think when she went missing, um, but I do remember hearing about it. I mean, it's terrifying. And just to know that this human trafficking situation is happening to girls every day, to men every day, to, to people every day. And even if that's not what happened to her, it's still a very big issue. It absolutely is. Yes. Regardless I guess it because we kind of we just assume that that's our opinion that we feel it's a lot bigger than just one person there's a lot more going on and we don't know the situation that led her to Moody did Moody uh, was he the one who abducted her did he purchase her did he have accomplices yeah I mean there's so much unknown that I think you know as time 
goes along, we're going to be able to find out some more of these details because the justice of this crime hasn't even been served yet. We're just at the, the tip of it because now we have to, now he's going to have to pay for these crimes. Now, I want to hear his confession. Yeah. And we would love to keep providing updates for this. If there's updates that come along, we will gladly report on them to keep everyone up to date on real life of things that are happening with this case and just continuing to spread awareness for this girl whose life was cut so tragically. And if you guys see anything or hear anything, you can always DM us like on Instagram, on Facebook. We'd love to see um, the updates that you guys have found as well, because we do miss things sometimes. (laughs) So as always, and most importantly, please stay alert, stay aware, and stay saucy. Bye work besties.